uh, we want to pick up on a series that we started on Wednesday evenings uh, called Prosperity by God's Design. The Lord said, I want to prosper my people, and I've done everything uh, for them, and if they'll walk in the provision I have, they're going to prosper. So we need to know how to handle the prosperity of God. We, we don't want the world's way. We don't want Satan to have his way. We want to do it God's way. So uh, we need to get to God's Word. It is our trusted compass that points us and guides us in the journey on life in the right direction. Uh, so it's something that crosses every one of our lives. Every one of us have to deal with uh, finances and resources. We have responsibilities. God knows that, and God has a plan for that. Uh, if it's a day and age where, it, where the exchange was sheep, then uh, that would be your blessing there. But today in our society, the exchange is the dollar or cash, and, and we need to learn how to deal with it as God prospers us. Anybody against God prospering you? You don't want God to prosper you. You want to stay broke, busted, and disgusted, not able to help anyone, even yourself. Anybody? I didn't think so. Uh, so let's do a little quick review as we look at prosperity by God's design. 2 Corinthians 8 9, powerful verse of Scripture where we see that through God's grace, part of God's grace act on us was that not only to provide salvation and provide uh, an eternity for us and forgiveness of sin and, and all the deliverance that God brings, but we see that our Lord Jesus Christ, through His grace, uh, He was rich, yet for our sakes, he, he became poor, the Scripture says, but He took on poverty. It's really the intent of it. He took on poverty that through His poverty or His fight with poverty, you and I might become rich. The Lord wants you blessed. The Lord wants you blessed. Isn't that good to know? That God doesn't want you to be beggars in life. He wants you to be blessed so you could be a blessing to others in life. And, and how did He take on? He became poor, took on poverty. How did He take on poverty? Well, we see it right here on that cross. That's where He took on poverty. He didn't 33 years live in poverty. We know that uh, those wise men, what they brought to Him, gifts, there had to be enough resources there for years he was in Egypt, and there, you know, we, we don't hear of any other support system, but we never hear that he grew up in need. There was always a, a plenty in his life. We know his father, earthly father that adopted and took care of him. Joseph was a carpenter. Uh, he's an entrepreneur, had, probably had his own business. Uh, we know that when Jesus was doing ministry, he had a treasurer. So tre you don't usually have a treasurer if you don't have anything any treasure. And uh, so we know that when he went to the cross, it's where he took on poverty. And that is obvious because we find out in the scripture, in Deuteronomy 28 and 48, there's four aspects of the poverty curse that Jesus took on. And Deuteronomy 28 and 48 says that uh, this poverty curse will be, you will be in hunger, you'll be thirsty, you'll be naked, and in want of all things. Jesus took that curse head on. There on the cross. There on the cross he was hungry. There on the cross he was thirsty. He even says, I thirst. That is recorded in the scripture. He was naked. The Bible tells us the specifics of how the soldiers were, were casting lots for his clothes as he was hanging there naked. And when they took him off of the cross, he had no land of his own, no place to be buried, and had to be buried in a borrowed tomb. He, that was all on purpose, so that when he went to the cross, he took on the curse of poverty. Deuteronomy 28, 48, took it head on, 
so that you and I could have a theological basis and uh, of atonement that Jesus Christ, through His atonement, has taken care of the curse of poverty so that you and I don't have to walk around under the curse of poverty. We don't have to live a yoke to the curse of poverty. That through the redemption of Jesus Christ, He took it on, so as much as through His redemption, He forgives us of our sins and washes them white as snow, in the same manner of atonement, He has provided victory for you and me over this curse of poverty. And I tell you what, when I got that revelation a number of years ago, I got so mad that I had lived as a Christian for so long and I did not know this. And I was one of those people of God who was perishing for a lack of knowledge. I let the curse of poverty have its way with me. I let the curse of poverty call the dictates of my life. Tell me where the lid was in my life. Tell me just how much I was going to make it or break it. But I'm telling you, when I got the revelation that as much as Jesus uh, in the atonement is provided for the salvation and for the cleansing of sin and for the deliverance of my soul, He also took on the curse of poverty and broke it so that if I will place my faith in what He has done for me, I can come out free. Yes, free indeed. Hallelujah. He took it on. And why did He do it? He tells us the reason why. Why did He go to the cross? Why did He allow Himself to hang on that tree? Because it's not that Jesus died. He did die for our sin. But it was where He died that took on this curse. It took this curse on in every curse because the Bible had this loophole back in the Old Testament that said a curse comes on he who hangs on a tree. And here's Jesus born of a virgin. He doesn't have the Adamic nature. His blood is pure. He lived for 33 years. He was tempted in every way that we are tempted, the Bible says, without sin. So He proved Himself. His blood was pure. And without pure blood, our tainted blood under Adam could not be cleansed. But let me tell you what, He paid a debt He didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. What the first Adam brought in, a curse on us and destruction on us. The last Adam, He came in and He brought us freedom and deliverance and cleansing through His mighty blood. Hallelujah. So He could have shed His blood by hitting His head on a rock and dying. He could have shed His blood by being cast over the cliff and, and dying. No, they tried all of that, but they couldn't kill Him. Every time they tried to kill Him, even when He was a baby, and they tried to kill Him, they can't find Him. The angel told Him, get to Egypt. Let me tell you what, the reason they couldn't kill Him, because Jesus said, nobody's taking my life. He said, nobody's going to take my life. I'm going to lay it down. And if I have the power to lay it down, I have the power to take it up again. Hallelujah. And he laid it down on that old cross. Why that tree? Because oh, back in the Old Testament, in that loophole of the legal system, God had placed a curse comes on he who hangs on a tree. So now if he hangs on a tree and sheds his blood, we can still be redeemed by his precious blood, as Peter said. We can still be redeemed by that precious blood. Hallelujah. But because he hangs on a tree, look, he takes the curse off of us. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. I'm here to tell you he, he hung on the tree to take the curse off of you and to take the curse off of me. Hallelujah. But the reason he took the curse off wasn't just that we could walk curse free, but it was also that he could get the blessing on us. 
He said, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on even the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, I'm talking to you here tonight that Jesus went through all of this for you. He went through it to get the curse off of you, but He also went through it to get the blessing on you. Don't go halfway. Don't go halfway. Don't live your life saying the curse is removed. you got to also say, Jesus, I'm going to worship You and thank You. And my gratitude for what You did on the cross is that I'm also going to receive the blessing. I'm going to walk in the blessing. Hallelujah. I'm going to pass on the blessing to my children and my children's children. I'm telling you, God has in this uh, blessing a plan of prosperity for His people. And I'm not talking about people out there. I'm talking about you right here. He has a plan for your prosperity. That plan is found in the blessing. Proverbs 28, 19 tells us that a hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies ends up in poverty. See, when you start chasing fantasies, you forget that you have the blessing. You forget that through the atonement of Jesus Christ, that there's a supernatural hand that is on your life. You don't have to chase fantasies like the world does. You can just put your hand to whatever you put your hand to. And whatever you put your hand to, the blessing is on your hand. The blessing is on you. Hallelujah. So that hard work can be blessed. You just need to put your hand to it. Hallelujah. He says in Proverbs 13 and 11, he says, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Part of the blessing of God is He's not going to choke you. He's not going to give you the blessing with a fire hose and choke you. He's going to give you a glass of it at a time. And these people that want to run and drink out of the fire hose and get rich overnight, let me tell you what, it's going to do more destruction on you. The devil's got, he's got his tentacles in that. You better be careful, but God wants to grow you from the inside out. He wants to build a foundation within you and your character so that you can handle more. He wants to trust you in the little. When you're faithful in that, He wants to give you more. And He's given us tests. And one of the tests, He says, is the tithe. He said, I give you this test and, and just do it. And, 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 and He says, just test me on this. He says, and I'll show you, I'll prove to you, but He's seeing whether or not we're going to trust Him. Someone told me one time, you know, Pastor, when I start making a, over a six-figure income, I'll, I can afford to start tithing. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's just that's, that's where it comes. That's where I start breaking even. And I said, really? Is that how it works? I said, well, God says if He can't trust you in the little, He can't give you the much. I had another person come to me one time and say, my, I'm making so much money, I'm having a hard time tithing on it. And he said, Pastor, pray for me that the Lord would just change it to 5% because I, this 10% of what I'm making, that's a big check. I said, no, let me just pray that your, your salary goes back down to where you're comfortable tithing. He said, stop it! Stop it! Don't you pray that over me. <laughs> so... You know, we just, God wants to build you so that He can place more in you and on you and flow through you so that it doesn't consume you. So that it doesn't consume you. He wants you to be a blessing. He wants you to be blessed and He wants you to be a blessing to your children and your children's children, the Bible says. And also have an excess that you can help those that are in need, the Bible says. I'm telling you what, that means there's a lot coming in, but God wants to be able to 
trust us without that spirit of greed. And there's Proverbs 28 and 20 that we looked at last time that says, the trustworthy person will get a rich reward, but a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble. Let me tell you what, you need to stop it if you're looking out trying to get rich overnight. You're trying to find out where's the next get rich scheme and I'm going to jump in on it. That's not the plan of God. I know it may sound easy and sound fun and be a little exciting, but let me tell you what, that's not the plan of God. The Bible says you're going to get into trouble. That's why you see people who come into a windfall of money. The majority of of them, it enhances the brokenness in their life, so their life ends up being worse off than it was. A year later, two years later, it's worse off than it was. God wants to build you. And the quicker you get on His program of having Him, letting Him build your character and your integrity and your trust in Him rather than the trust of, of the things of this world, the more He can trust you with. I'm telling you. So get with His program. The quicker you, you want to do something quick, quickly get with His program and get it working for you. Because let me tell you what, there is prosperity by God's design and we're going to line up with that. Also, in Proverbs 28-22, just two verses down from that, he says, greedy people try to get rich quick, but don't realize they're headed for poverty. I mean, that's God talking. God's telling us through His wisdom, by the Holy Spirit, this is how it really works. So, so stop it. Stop it. I believe this word is for somebody who's thinking, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it overnight. I'm just going to do it, and I'm going to do it overnight. That's not God's plan for you. And then Matthew 6 and 33, oh, what a scripture where Jesus says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. And all this stuff, houses and land and clothes and food and all this stuff will be added unto you. He didn't say, I'll put you in a monastery and give you sackcloth to wear the rest of your life. No, he says, houses, land. He said, all of that, I'll add it to you. But I want you to seek first my kingdom, my kingdom and my righteousness. I'm telling you what, when we put God first, hallelujah, it puts everything in order. That's why I love running in here on Sunday morning on the first day of the week. And I do it in the first service, but I love doing the second service and on Wednesday night. I just love doing it and being able to bring the tithe and the offering because I'm saying, God, I've got you first. I, you, you said uh, in your heart you just wanted to test us with the 10. I'm, I'm bringing more tithe and offering. I want to bless you, Lord. I want to show you I'm trusting you, Lord. And I do it on unashamedly I trust my God you know what I used to trust in man and man let me down I used to trust in 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 organizations that promise this and organizations let me down let me tell you why but I found out when I put my trust in God he has never he has never do you hear me not one time there's never even been a shadow of turning with him where he has let me down. He is faithful. He is good. He is God. And I tell you what, you can trust him with your money. You can trust him with your health. You can trust him with your children. You can trust him with your marriage. You can trust him with your, with your life, your whole life. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, I've got the blessing. I hung on the cross to get the curse off of you so I could get the blessing on you and, and he says so I want you blessed but you got to seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and then all the stuff starts being added 
unto you. Proverbs 10.22. What a powerful Scripture. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Part of that blessing He wanted to get onto you. Part of that blessing He hung on the cross. Hung on a tree. Get the curse off of you. Get the blessing on you. The blessing. That blessing of the Lord makes one rich and with it comes no sorrow. I'm telling you, I've seen a many a rich folk who had more sorrow than they could count. And I counseled with them and they all came back. The kids don't. They're mad because they want money. The in-laws want money. The outlaws want money. Everybody wants money. I don't know how to handle all this, the business and everything. My life, I've got, a, I've got a, a high blood pressure now. I'm on medicine and it's making me depressed and, and I'm taking this and I'm taking that. I wish I could just get it rid of all of it. Just get rid of all of it. Let me tell you what. The rich, the richness that God brings in, it comes with no sorrow. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, because He built you up. He tested you. He watched you. Could He trust you with a small? Could He trust you? And is your character and your integrity and, and who you are was, was being built up and he says, yeah, I can trust you with more. Little, more, little, more, little, more. And the next thing you know, he's taking that from those foolish men with the talents that's doing nothing but burying it and now he's giving that over to you because he knows he can trust you with more. So now there's some sudden increase and sudden promotion, but it didn't just come overnight. It was the building up of being faithful with the talents that He has given to you. Then Psalms 1 and 3 says to us, He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth the fruit in its season and, whoever, and whose leaf shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. The blessed man, the blessed woman, the one that was walking in the blessing of God, you're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I'm telling you what, your life is going to bear fruit. Your leaves are not going to wither. Whatever you do, you're going to prosper. Whatever you put your hand to is going to prosper. Uh, you know, Abraham understood this. When he and Lot and their, their uh, workers got into a beef, you know, there's not enough uh, grazing land for the blessing. The blessing's got so big, we need, we need more grazing land. And, and he says, you know what? You, you choose. You go. They're standing there and there's this plush, green, lush valley. And, uh, and, and then there's the mountains, the rocks, and there's you know, sprigs here and there. But Abraham, he says, you, you choose. You choose. And, and he says, really? He said, okay, well, I choose this. And he goes for that. Why did Abram know that if he, Abraham know that if he stayed there, that he was going to be able to keep prospering? Because he understood the blessing. The blessing, God said, is on your hands, it is on your mouth, and it is on your feet. Whatever you say, you release the blessing. Whatever you put your hands to, the blessing is transferred and wherever the soles of your feet shall tread. So Abraham understood the blessing is not what looks rich, you know, rich quick, oh, get rich quick overnight thing over here. He said, the blessing's on me. The blessing's not on where I'm at or what business I'm in. The blessing is on me. Hallelujah. So you can, you can be in a situation where it looks like the circumstances are against you, but with the blessing and you operating by faith in the blessing, you will prosper. You'll be like Isaac that sowed in the, in the season of famine and reaped a hundredfold in that same year. You can reap in the midst of famine when the blessing is on you because the blessing is, makes you like a tree planted by rivers of water. Your fruit is coming forth in season. Your, your leaves are not withering. And whatsoever you do, you shall prosper. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
Isn't it? I wish I'd have heard this growing up in church. I didn't know. I was, I was graying around the temple before I ever got the revelation. Where was I at? But I will not be silenced. I will not be silent. Oh, you better not preach on money. People will get mad. I'm telling you what, if you get mad because I'm telling you God's plan for you to get you out of the hole, get you up out of the prison, get you up out of the debt, to get you up out of the pressure, well then you probably don't need to be here anyway because I'm telling you the blessing of God is good and God cares about your money as well. But in building us up, he tells us in Matthew 6 and 24 that no man can serve two masters. So now we're coming down to where our character and our integrity and our uh, stance and our faith is going to show to a true or not. You can't serve two masters, Jesus said. You will either hate the one and love the other or else you'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. He says you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot. Now, I believe if Jesus says it's impossible for you to serve both, I believe it's impossible for you to serve both. You got to pick up, make up in your mind that I got to pick up my foot and I can't straddle the fence on this situation. When it comes to the blessing and when it comes to the increase and the serving the Lord and, 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 and this thing of, of trust and, and provision in life, I've got to either say I'm going to trust God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and do it His way, or I'm just going to go the world's way. You cannot serve both God and mammon. I'm telling you, Jesus emphatically states here that, that God and mammon cannot and will not. He's not going to put up with it because mammon is a direct contrast to God. Now, mammon, if you'll do a study on mammon, you will find that uh, there, were, there was a, a, prince demon, a prince demon that was worshipped among the Canaanites, and, and you see it throughout uh, the Old Testament that was the god of, of money or the god of supply or the god of, of, of increase. And, uh, and, and it came to be known as they would worship him, and it was all about themselves. It was a spirit of greed and selfishness. So, so demon spirits, they're, they're building images and stuff like that, but really in the unseen realm where the demons are and our weapons are not carnal but mighty through God to pulling down these strongholds. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. So he's given us the authority over all their power, but we have to realize where the battle is. So when we're talking about mammon, we're talking about this Canaanite god, this Babylonian god, this uh, Beelzebub. Others would say uh, he was uh, Beelzebub, but it's this god that we trust to provide for us, to meet our needs. And you'll notice that the people most under the influence of the spirit of mammon tend to have the most fear about money because they're placing their trust in a demon that cannot provide. The demon lies. Satan is the father of all lies. So any demon or any spirit other than the Holy Spirit that you're ever going to listen to or ever come under the influence of is going to lie to you. But let me, know, let, me, let me show you here what Jesus said. The big word serve right here in the middle. Jesus is showing us that mammon wants you to serve him. It wants servants. It's seeking worshipers. will promise you everything 
but deliver you nothing. Because he's trying to take the place of God. Satan has always done that. He's always wanted to be worshipped. He said, I want to be lifted up. I want to be on the throne. I want to be worshipped. And through mammon, which is a resource, uh, whatever that resource may be, a provision in our life, that the spirits come on through Satan so that we will yield our servitude to them. Trying to take the place of God. Mammon will promise you things that only God can give. Mammon will tell you, I'll give you security. I'll give you significance. I'll give you identity. I'll give you independence. I'll give you power. I'll give you freedom. Man, you just get more money, get more money, get more money. You'll have everything you have. But mammon lies. And through his lies, he's trying to insulate us from life's problems, but he's lying. He's telling you, I, you know, all you need is more money. All you need, your retirement, think about it. You, all you need is more money and everything's going to be okay. Well, you can have all the money in the world, but if you get cancer and die early, you're never going to be able to use it. But I'm telling you, our God is not only Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides and meets all of our needs according to His riches and glory, but He's also Jehovah Rapha, our God, our, our healer. There ain't no demon going to heal you. There's no demon going to heal you. That's like going to a, 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 a rattlesnake and saying, heal me. And he's like, all I got to give is death. All I got to give. As Jesus said, Satan comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. The devil, these demons and all, they have nothing good to give to us. These, this spirit of mammon will say, well, you know, you got more money, more money, you won't have any more problems. Uh, just, 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 let's get that spirit of greed. Let me get that spirit of greed in you and let's go after it, go after it. We can lie, we can cheat, we can promise, uh, we can f uh, fail on contracts, we can, we can use the legal system and its loopholes and do everything we can to get ahead, to get ahead. And I'm telling you what, uh, that is not God's plan. And Jesus said you cannot serve mammon and God. It's no coincidence, I don't believe, that in the book of Revelation, we see the, it's the Antichrist who attempts to dominate the people through the use of economics. Read the book of Revelation. Preventing people from what? Buying and selling unless they submit to him. That, that, that's the end of the story. We see mammon lifting up his head and showing his true colors. And, and, and in this way, this brief rule of the Antichrist will be through the spirit of mammon. So mammon is, is, is part of the plan. Mammon is, is going to stay a part of the plan, so we've got to learn how to identify this spirit, know that we're not going to yield to this spirit, but we're going to yield to the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Uh, no wonder Jesus said, no, you, two, uh, you can't serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and mammon because the spirit of mammon stands in direct opposition of the spirit of God. Now, money and mammon are not synonymous. They are not equal. We must see this. Uh, money is not inherently evil. It's really just printed paper. Um, it's what you do with it. Uh, but it in itself is not inherently evil. One of the most misquoted verses in the Bible is right here, 1 Timothy 6 and 10. People say, you know, for, for money is the root of all evil, you know. But it doesn't say that. It says the love of money, the love of money, that yielding and that servitude and that submitting to the lie that the spirit of mammon is saying, if you've got money, you've got resources, you've got everything you need in life. So it's not saying money, but it's that idolatrous love of the spirit of mammon that is evil. Because mammon, like I said, is in direct con, uh, uh, contrast to God. 
Mammon says take, God says give. Right? Mammon is selfish, it's about me. And, uh, and, 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 and the Spirit of God is about being generous, being a blessing to you, yes, but your children, your children's children, those that are in need. He has a plan to bring uh, tithes and offerings into his storehouse so there'd be bread in his house. And he's just got a plan for everything. He's being generous. The, the spirit of mammon is prideful. Look what I've got. Look at me. I'm somebody because I've got something. And the spirit of God with the blessing is be humble. You can be blessed, but you can be humble about it. Uh, spirit of mammon is deceitful. It will lie. It will cheat. It will do whatever it can. But we see with God, God says, you don't have to lie and cheat and steal. He says, I come alongside you. Seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, and then I come in and start adding. So we got God's assistance. Now, if you got God's assistance, you got nothing to complain about. I got one amen on that. You got God's assistance in prospering you. God's assistance. Not, not even an angel. Not even an archangel. Not even a, one of the saints. Not even an apostle. You got God. God says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and I will add all this houses and land and clothes and food and stuff. I'll add that to you. Hallelujah. Isn't that great to know that we've got God's assistance? Praise the God. Praise God. But you need to be aware of this, that mammon is a spirit and, and the spirit is talking to us all the time. Because we're out here dealing with resources. We're dealing with the very thing he wants to ride on. So he's always trying to trip you up. Mammon says if you have the right credit card, you have the right clothes, you have the right car, you, you live in the right neighborhood, you know the right people, uh, uh, dining with them in the right places, then you'll be happy and fulfilled. He's talking to us, talking to us. And we look at the lifestyle of the rich and famous and he starts talking to us and it's like, if you just had that, you'd be happy. If you just had that, man, you would really be a man. You'd really be a woman. Man, it'd be awesome. If you wore that, wow, you would really be important. He's lying to you. He's lying. He's telling you if you had more money, people would listen to you. You know, your relationship problems would go away if you had more money. Life would be sweet, you know. You could do what you want, go where you want, live the way you want. All you need is more money. So he's trying to trip you up so then you begin looking at money and letting that spirit of greed come in and say, how can I get it? How can I get it? i got to have it. And you start lusting after it, that love of it, that love of it. It's what he's trying to hook you into. Let me tell you what, a man or woman of God who is standing in faith, who knows their uh, Galatians 3, 13, 14 writes that Jesus went to the cross so that he could redeem us and take the curse of poverty off of us and get the blessing on us and God wants to assist or if we'll just put him first, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. What we do is we say, I'm just going to worship the Lord. I'm just going to praise the Lord. I'm going to praise him with the tithe and the offering. I'm going to praise him with my attention. I'm going to praise him with my time. I'm going to praise him with my talents. I'm putting him first because he, if I got God on my side, if God is in my business, if God is in my finances, I cannot fail. So you, you, you got to you got to come up with your own uh, conversation, if you could say that, it that way. Otherwise, this demon of mammon would just, he would just nip and nip and nip and nip and nip and nip. Jesus never told anyone their answer was more money. Never. You won't find it in the Bible. That more money will solve your problem. Come on now. 
We know money is not the answer to life's problems. God is our answer. Hallelujah. Everything we need is in Jesus. Everything He's provided is by His Spirit and in His Word. Let me tell you what. Through His righteousness and through His grace and through His mercy, God has provided everything that we have need of. You know, many times when under pressure, anybody ever been under pressure financially? The thought comes. This is mammon speaking. You need one of two things to happen now. You're in a tight spot. And he'll even talk church stuff. You know, Satan talked church stuff. Talk Bible to Jesus. Talk the Word of God. Talk to Adam and Eve. So he'll do the same thing. So you need one of two things. You either need God to miraculously change your circumstances or you need someone to drop a truckload of money on you. Then the daydream starts. And it usually involves winning the lottery. Especially when it's bigger. And it's bigger. Oh, I got less of a chance, but I'm going to line up like the cattle to slaughter. And I'm going to dive into this demon, uh, demon cesspool as well. Yeah, I called it that. Okay. Winning the publisher's clearinghouse. I heard someone recently on Facebook said, they said, you know what? I need everybody praying. I need prayer. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to pray. And then I read on down. It says, I've never been a believer. I've never been a believer. Sounds like, a, you know, somebody just became a Christian. I'm a believer now. So I've never been a believer in Ed McMahon and the, uh, McMahon and the publisher's clearinghouse. But I really need it. And I'm mailing it off right now. I had a picture of them holding whatever it was they were mailing off. I stopped my prayer right there. I said, I'm not going to waste my time praying in, in the spirit of mammon. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, or that, that daydream comes, oh, I got, I got a loved one. We'll be, we'll be nice. It could be someone that uncle I didn't know I had. It's going to die and leave me all of their inheritance. You know, I'll be nice. I, because I didn't know them, that doesn't make it painful that they died. But you're just wishing their death because you want their inheritance. Okay. And uh, wow. Do you see how the spirit of mammon tries to position itself as a substitute for God? You either need God to work a miracle right now or you need more money is what that Spirit's telling you. And that's simply a lie. The truth is we need God. We need God. And let me tell you what, there's some things that we think we need at this time that God sees it would destroy us rather than bless us. So we need to trust God. We need to say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm putting you first. I'm putting my hand to, I'm working. I'm not laying back just w w wishing it's going to fall in out of the heaven. I'm putting my hand. I'm putting the soles of my feet to work. I am declaring the blessing. I am going forward. But, but God, I, I need you to make a way. And guess what? He's a way maker. The Bible says that he can cause the desert to bloom again. And he can, he's going to cause rivers to flow in the desert again as well. So if he can do that in a desert, he can do great things in your life. But he wants you to place your faith in him. You know, they say when churches preach on uh, redemption, they preach on salvation and sins forgiven, that they get people saved. Then they said that you go to another church that preaches on that, but they also preach on healing and people are getting healed. You don't see people getting much healed in the other church, but they're getting healed in this other church here because they're preaching on healing as well. And then you go to a church that preaches on salvation, and they also preach on healing, but they also preach on deliverance, and they're seeing people get delivered. 
And they're like, why is this? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. We need to hear the Word of God on uh, the, this prosperity and this blessing so that we can exercise our faith and our finances and not be left to the spirit of mammon so that he can drag us along his, his, his evil path and cause us so much stress and so much anxiety in life. Remember this. When you begin to think that most of your problems could be solved by more money, it's a sign you're coming under the influence of the spirit of mammon. Let me say that again. When you begin to think, to solve my problems, I just need some more money, you're slipping and you're coming under the influence of the spirit of mammon. Now, now, now don't misunderstand. Jesus is not telling us to hate money. I'm so glad, unless he had another plan to resource us, but he's put us in this world and the resources we have to use, as all of his children have all through the ages, is the resources that the world are using at that time. But he is, he is saying that if we love God and we hate mammon, we hate this lion, greedy, selfish, deceiving, antichrist spirit which operates through money when we worship him, that we, we turn our back on that spirit when we turn our face towards God and say, God, you are my source. You are my strength. You are my provider. Hallelujah. I remember many of my family would secretly pull me aside when I said God had called me to preach. And they said, Tim, you can't do that. I said, why is that? They said, preachers are poor. Preachers are dependent on people's uh, hand-me-downs and, 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 and what they're throwing off, don't want. Rather than make a trip to the thrift store, they'll say, Preacher, you want it? Come get it. Okay. And, uh, and I remember when I started the church and, and that was happening. We had playgrounds that was donated because we didn't have any playground. And I remember going and getting it and it was in so much such bad to take it apart, it could not be put back together. So I just became the, the, the dump guy, I reckon. I was going, you know, college hunks, deliver, what is that? There's a business out there where uh, college hunks, what is it? Something like that, yes. That was my job, but it was all a blessing, a blessing. I was cleaning up people's yards, and I was cleaning out their closets, and it was stuff... I couldn't wear. It had moth holes in it. And then I was like, wait a minute. This, what they said is true. It is true. And I said, this is horrible. But I'm telling you what, the day came when I turned my back on the spirit of mammon that even through church folks was telling me, you got to depend on what I hand you. you got to depend on what I give you. And I said, wait a minute, this ain't right. I'm a servant of God. I am a servant of God. And God says, my seed are not begging for bread. My seed are not cast aside. And, and God, I put it all on the line for you. And he says, yep, but you put your trust in them. You look to them as your source, that's what you get. And I did an about face turn. And I said, God, you will be my source. And whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And where you tell me to go, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm telling you what, God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing in the business world. God knows what he's doing in the church world. God knows what he's doing in the whole world. You can trust him, I can tell you that. Hallelujah. Now let me go on to share with you several demons that hang out with this spirit of mammon. Because mammon has some friends. And, uh, and there's a couple of them I want to identify. 
and uh, these, the, the, just hang out. You find them working together all the time. They run in the same circles, if I could say that. So the spirit of mammon is trying to keep you from living the blessed life. These two spirits will also keep you from living the blessed life, and they come in, uh, I believe, under the direction of the spirit of mammon. And that is the spirit of poverty and the spirit of pride. The spirit of poverty, poverty and the spirit of pride. Now, the spirit of poverty will cause you to be ashamed of the blessings of God. Come on now. You ever, you ever got something so blessed of the Lord, but now you're like, you're ashamed of it. You're like, oh my goodness, somebody sees this, they're going to think, they're going to think. That's that spirit of poverty talking to you. See, because if you're going to be faithful and you're going to be generous steward of what God has given to you, God says the blessing is going to bless you. So, so you got to get ready for this. You can't come under these spirits because if you do it God's way, you're going to be blessed. You can't help it. The blessing, what does the blessing do? It blesses you, right? Like water wets you, the blessing blesses you. So you got to learn how to handle the blessing. And let me tell you what, coming in in the spirit of poverty and the spirit of pride, they like to come in and direct their steps back into the eternal abyss. Let me tell you, there's no avoiding it. You be a giver to God, and let me tell you what, you want to see the results of the blessing. God says, you know, you give unto me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, good measure is coming back to you. That's what he says. He says that, that, that law is at work. That's just who I am. It's what I do. And he says that's how it works. And let me tell you what, the spirit of poverty and the spirit of pride know that too. They know that it's fail-proof. If you take this message and start walking in it and walking in the blessing and putting your full trust and your full faith, not in the resources of this world, but in God and doing it God's way and God owns your business and God owns your checkbook and God owns your bank account and God owns your, your resources and investments. Let me tell you what, you're going to see the spirit of poverty and the spirit of pride start working like they never worked before because let me tell you what you do it God's way you're gonna get blessed you're gonna get blessed the devil can't stop it so what he tries to do through the spirit of poverty if he can't stop you getting blessed he now wants to make you ashamed of the blessing he doesn't want this good news see Romans 1 16 says what Paul says I'm not ashamed of the gospel that means there's spirits trying to make us ashamed of the good news. And part of the good news is that on that cross, Jesus took the curse of poverty off of me so that He could get the blessing on me. Come on now. And now Paul says there's a temptation to be ashamed of that because the gospel has the power of salvation. And that word salvation means to be made whole, delivered, healed, and, and prospered. It means everything. Hallelujah. God takes care of everything. So the devil says, I'm not going to give up. So the spirit of poverty, his job description is to inflict uh, the poor and the wealthy. Trying to keep the poor in, uh, uh, so that they're in the bondage of the curse of poverty, not realizing what Jesus has done for them so they don't place faith in what Jesus has done for them. Just like the church that doesn't preach on healing, that people don't place their faith in the healing hand of God. Let me tell you what, God's a healer. I wouldn't be here today if God wasn't a healer. Many of you, I know your story. You would not be here today were God not a healer. But if you were in a church that didn't preach on healing, you wouldn't have faith rise up to believe in healing to receive what God had provided for you. 
And the same is true with preaching on God's design for prosperity and that the blessing that God has for you. So when you place your faith in doing it God's way, you're going to find the blessing prospers you. So the spirit of poverty says, okay, I lost you holding you in poverty. So now you've come in out of poverty, but I'm still going to hold you. I'm going to make you ashamed. Ashamed of this gospel. Ashamed of this good news. And you're going to be like trying to undermine and speak down on. See, it's more common with the rich than in any other group uh, where it uh, manifests its sense of guilt. It's what he tries to do, make you feel guilty because you're blessed by God. I mean, that's demonic. Here, you think of you blessing your child and someone coming along trying to make them feel guilty because you're not slapping them and kicking them and, and causing them to go in starvation. It's like, that's demonic. You, people should rejoice that you've got a good daddy and a good mama. The people should rejoice that your heavenly Father doesn't want you begging bread and starving and, 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 and being evicted and losing a, a roof over your head and, and never having enough. I'm telling you, the devil doesn't play fair. I hate the devil. Have I ever told y'all that before? I hate the devil. Somebody told me one time, you better not say that. You better stay off the radar from the devil because if you start saying that, he's coming after you. I said, come on. Either I believe what Jesus told me, that he has taken the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and he has now given me those keys and given me authority over all the power of the enemy. Either I have exousia over that dunamis or I don't. I'm going with what Jesus said. And he by no means shall harm me. I'm going with what Jesus said. So I'm not going to be living in fear that I can't proclaim the good news because I'm afraid of the devil. I'll get on his radar. Come on now. He comes to me. He's going to come to a faith-to-faith -faith fight. Let me tell you what. It's not going to be a face-to-face. -face. It's going to be a faith-to-faith -faith fight. And I'm telling you what. My Jesus has already given me the victory. And I'm going to lean on His victory. Hallelujah. And let me tell you what. If, if greater is He who is in me than He who is in the world, I either believe it or I don't. So I, I hate the devil. He can hear it or not. I don't care. I, I think he don't like hearing me preach because I think I almost persuade him to get converted. <laughs> so he, he's one of those that runs away. I don't want to hear what you got to say. Here's a question. Is there anything God could do in your life for which you should feel ashamed? Yes. I, no is the right answer. Yes, that's the right answer. No. No, of course not. However, by simply doing things God's way, many believers receive blessings. I mean, you receive blessings and then somehow or another, the devil comes in and makes them want to apologize for them. I would say this to you and I've said this to myself and I have to keep reminding myself, don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. Because if you're not susceptible to the trap of poverty mentality, the enemy's not going to give up on you. He has an opposite approach, and that's the spirit of pride. The spirit of pride. And pride says you've earned it. You've worked hard. It's your, it's your smarts. It's your talents. That you made it all happen. You should be proud of the blessings you have received. And, and even though these two spirits work from opposite ends of the spectrum, they have a common root... And the common root is they want you to get your focus on stuff rather than God. Anything to get you back to mammon, the spirit of mammon, bowing at mammon rather than bowing at God, and you can't serve the two. So we center on blessings 
rather than the blesser. I've seen a lot of Christians get caught up in this, and it's all about the blessings and the blessings, and they forget about the blesser. And we've got to be careful. The spirit of pride says wealth comes from hard work. Poverty says wealth comes from the devil. So if you're, the spirit of pride's working, you're like, I worked hard, I deserve it, look at me. But on the other side, poverty will say, wealth comes from the devil, and here you are with all this wealth. You should be ashamed. You should hide it. You know, you should not even, oh my goodness, look at you. You, you say you're a man of God, but you've got all these resources? What's wrong with this picture? The spirit of pride says you should be proud of what you have, and poverty, that spirit says you should be ashamed of what you have. I remember back in 92, I came here with a vehicle that had so many miles on it, I forgot what, I think the, the speedometer quit even working. It's just like, you wore me out. I used to travel up and down the East Coast preaching youth revivals, and man, I wore the wheels off of that little car. But, and I remember uh, one of our new uh, members here was a, uh, a young student, law student at Regent, and he was working at Cavalier Ford. And I went up there to see him. I said, you know, Damon, my car is, I mean, it's leaving me all the time now. I'm, I'm doing more repair work on it. I, it's, just, it's just crazy. What do you think I should do? And he says, uh, well, we've got these new things called Explorers. You know, Ford Explorer wasn't a thing. I think it was kind of the new, it was just coming out. And, uh, and he says, you need to get one of these. And I said, no, I can't do that. I can't drive a new car. You know, what would it look like if a preacher drove a new car? He said, what would it look like if the preacher's always on the side of the road thumbing? <laughs> now, I realized he was trying to sell me a car. But it made me think, you know. <laughs> what do you say when someone compliments you on a watch or an outfit? Pride would say, it's imported from Europe. Poverty would say, this whole thing, I got it at Kmart. Well, you can't even get it at Kmart anymore. <laughs> you Kmart... I think it's closed his doors. It was a, it was a closeout sale in Kmart. You see, the spirit of pride tries to make people think that we paid more for it than we really did. But the spirit of poverty makes us want to think, make people think we paid less than we really did. Maybe you never realized that. The spirit of poverty makes you feel like you have to justify your purchases and your possessions because it equates blessings with evil. Now, I'm telling you, Jesus did not hang on a cross to take the curse off of us to get a blessing that is evil on you. Nuh uh. And if he who was rich became poor, that we who are poor might be made rich through Christ Jesus. And that richness covers not just resources, it covers everything. But let me tell you what, it shows us he took on Deuteronomy 28, 48, that, that spirit of poverty. See, God uses things to test our hearts. Did you know that? God will use stuff to, re, to kind of reveal the condition of your heart. I don't believe it's a coincidence that the 10th commandment says, you know, you shall not covet your neighbor's stuff. Covet, to set the heart upon, to lust after. That we're not to do that. It's not healthy. Because the, the commandments, if you'll study the 10 commandments, they're all about relationship. And they're about a relationship with God and about a relationship with God's creation. 
And when we set our heart upon our neighbor's stuff and start lusting after that, that spirit of mammon comes in. Now we've turned our back on God who wants to provide and bless and prosper you. And now you're running after because of that trickery, the stuff that your neighbor... i got to have what they got. i got to have what they got. They, I'm smarter than they are. I'm, I'm prettier than they are. I've been working at this longer than they are. And that keep it up with the Joneses thing starts coming in. It's all the spirit of covet. We should set our hearts on God and we need to keep each other accountable and encourage each other to do that because it is so easy if you're not careful to slip. It's so easy. Amen? See, God doesn't care if we have stuff. What He doesn't want is for stuff to have us. It's so important. So you don't have, and you don't have to have a lot of stuff to be materialistic. A person's net worth does not tell you anything about their heart. So what I want us to do in the wrap-up of these few minutes is do a little self-evaluation, then we're going to pray. Because God's preparing you. He's giving you word, raising your faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Your faith is right. Some of you, I pray all of you, but some of you I know will place your faith in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ Galatians 3, 13 and 14 is going to become a reality to you. 2 Corinthians is going to become a reality to you. And you are going to start walking in the prosperity of God. You're going to see the hand of God start doing miracles in and through your hands and leading your feet to places that you didn't even know there was a door there, but He leads you to an open door. Divine connections are going to start. You're going to see the prosperity of the Lord little by little, and then He's going to test you and see if you're going to honor Him and put Him first and keep Him first, and then He can give you more and more and more. You're going to see that. You're going to see that. So uh, uh, I, I rejoice in that. But we need to this, take this self-evaluation so that we can stay focused on Him as our source. So how can you know where your heart is? Number one, ask yourself these questions. Number one, am I looking to God or am I looking to people to meet my needs? Am I looking to God or I'm looking to people. Now, there's a temptation there because most of us, probably you work for an organization, you work for a company, maybe you work for yourself, but then, then you're working for your customers and your clients or your patients if you're working for yourself. Are you looking to God or are you looking to people to meet your needs? If you're looking to people, you'll compromise. If you're looking to people, the spirit of mammon, the spirit of pride, and the spirit of poverty, they have a voice into your life and they'll get you off track because people God never put people here to be your source people are not your God he says I'm a jealous God I'm a jealous God your company your your whatever whoever you work for corporation whatever that is not your God many of them have been multi-billion dollar corporations and have gone bankrupt God has never gone bankrupt never some of them have merged, millions and billion dollar companies merge, and they say, cut half the workforce because we merged. And who you were with for 15 years thinking this was it, I'm, I'm good through retirement, and now you you're, get a little severance package and you're gone. God has never, ever cut back on His staff. Never. Never gone bankrupt. Never will. So am I looking to God? Or am I looking to people for my needs? Secondly, do I get angry or resentful with people who don't help me as I want them to? 
trying to borrow a little money. You didn't loan me the money. Now you're the devil. You get mad at them. Or you borrow a little money, you promise to pay it back, and you don't pay it back. Now the relationship's uh, uh, in jeopardy, you know. Because you're, you're work, trying to get from people again. Do you get angry with people and resentful with people when they won't help you as you want them to? It's a sign that you are looking to man, which is, in essence, the spirit of mammon rather than God. And God says you can't serve God and mammon. You can't do it. So you're cutting God out of your picture. Even though you may be here at church, you're still cutting God out because God said you can't serve the two. Right? So if you're serving mammon, then you're not serving God. You say, well, I'm here in church. I lift my hands. I sang the song. But God says you can't do the two. We've got to get real. This spirit of mammon is real, and we need to rebuke, resist the devil, and have him flee. Third, do I blame others for my circumstances? We don't want to own own up to our, our shortcomings. We don't want to own up to mistakes we've made, bad decisions we've made. We don't want to own up. We want to blame somebody. We blame our mom. We blame our dad. We blame the, the, the town I grew up. We blame the side of the tracks I grew up on. We blame whatever. We just got to blame somebody because you're looking that they're, they're your provider and they didn't come through for you. No! God is your provider. And we must come face to face with whether we believe that or not. These are all warning indicators that... Uh, show that we're looking to man rather than God as our source. And let me tell you what, you, when you do, not only is mammon there being worshipped by you, but he opens the door and he says, come on in, buddies. And pride and poverty come in. And if you really make it through greed and, and unjust gain, then pride is going to have his way. He's going to have his way. Or the devil's going to try to hold you in poverty. And keep you sucking and begging for just a mere existence through the rest of your life. Living with fear. Because he wants to bring in the spirit of fear. And fear. How am I going to live? I'm getting older. I'm getting weaker. How am I going to pay my bills? Let me tell you what. God's got that worked out as well. So here's some tests to help you discern the difference. When you think about your situation in life, pride says I deserve more. Poverty says I should feel guilty. Gratitude says thank you. Wow. See how different that is? Gratitude is an attitude of thankfulness which always acknowledges God's provision. So pride says, I deserve more. Poverty says, I should feel guilty. Gratitude says, thank you. When someone says, wow, you have a nice house, pride says, we were going to build a bigger one, but, you know, code wouldn't allow it. Poverty says, it was a foreclosure. You should have seen the termites and the dirt and the rats that were in here. Gratitude says, thank you, the Lord's blessed us. When someone says, well, that's a nice suit, pride says, it's tailor-made. Poverty says, I got it from the thrift store, believe it or not. Gratitude says, thank you. When someone says, ah, that's a nice car, pride says, you know, I got three of them. Poverty says, it's a company car, or it belongs to the bank. And gratitude says, thank you. Pride always wants, you, you, wants to make you make people believe you paid more for it. Poverty wants you to make people think you paid less. But gratitude doesn't care what people think. It cares mostly what God thinks. Amen? And here you're ashamed to say, 
my God's blessed me. I just thank Him. Here you are downplaying it or acting like you were smart enough to get it. Yeah, really. Look in the mirror and tell me that again. Come on now. We got to get real. And all of that pride and poverty leads us into a comparison trap. And I'm telling you what, talking to teenagers, I'm finding out that they are dealing with so much depression because of comparison. They're on social media, they're on YouTube, they're looking at stuff that has been filtered and stuff that has been just, it's not the real thing. And wow, look at them, look how they can sing, look how beautiful they are, look at this and that, and this comparison, I'm, 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 not, I'm coming short, I'm coming short. You like this sheep here. The grass to me looks the same. But the dumb thing is going through an electric fence, taking the shock on the back of his neck because he won't thinks the grass... Look, he says, what did he say? Surely their grass is greener than mine, tastier than mine, healthier than mine. Yikes, this electric fence really hurts. Yeah. Pride causes us to compare ourselves with others. Poverty causes us to compare others with ourselves. And both are detrimental. When someone pulls up beside you in a less expensive car, pride says, mine's better. When someone pulls up beside you in a more expensive car, poverty says, that's a waste. He's probably a crook, a drug addict. <laughs> you laugh. You laugh because you probably have thought it or said it. See, pride and poverty do had this in common. They both always get us to compare ourselves with others. And in sharp contrast, a person with gratitude compares himself with God and just says, wow, kind of like, like the angels in heaven, holy, 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 are worthy, worthy to receive all the glory, the honor, and the power. We just have to say, thank you, God. Because when I compare what I've done with God, eh, nothing happens. When I compare what He has done for me, Wow, everything that he's done for me. My heart just naturally overflows with gratitude. So don't fall into this comparison trap. Pride says I earned it. Poverty says I shouldn't have it. Gratitude says I received it by the grace of God. So the key, this is closing, the key to resisting the spirits of mammon, the spirits of pride, the spirits of poverty, the key, kind of taking us right through the Feast of Booths again, is what God said, remember. That was his message before the Israelites went into the promised land. He said, you're coming into the promised land. He said, I've got houses prepared for you. You didn't build vineyards for you. You didn't plant cities fortified. He said, I'm going to give them to you. He says, one thing I need you to do. Don't forget. Don't forget. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get well that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So you must remember. And if we will live remembering every day, it is our God who gives us breath. It is our God who is keeping this heart beating. It is our God that keeps sight to my eyes. It is, it is my God that allows me to walk with my feet. It is my God that allows me to move through life, to, to even think business and do the job that I do or serve in the capacity that I serve. It is only by God that I can do this. Oh God, I thank you. I thank you. I praise you. You're the one that gives me the power to get well. You're the one that redeemed me from the curse of, the poverty, of, curse of poverty. You're the one that put the 
blessing on me. This is your plan. I'm walking out your plan. Don't forget. Don't forget how good your God is. Don't forget how powerful your God is. And don't forget that your God wants to add the houses and the clothes and the food and everything to you if you will seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Lord God, as we stand before you, let's just bow our heads before him. Lord God, we just stand here before you, Lord. Show us our hearts. Show us if we've fallen into this temptation and help us, help us to deal with it right now. Right now. I ask each of you individually, just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal this to you. If you've discerned by the Holy Spirit any signs of mammon or pride or poverty in your life, and let me tell you what. Please pray this prayer with me. Please pray this prayer with me. Let's take care of it right now as we stand in the presence of the Lord. Let us prepare ourselves and let us position ourselves to walk out of here and walk in the favor and walk in the blessing and walk in the anointing and walk in the righteousness of God. So if you've discerned any spirits of mammon, spirit of pride, spirit of poverty at work in your life, just, just pray out loud with me. Father God, please forgive me for all this selfishness, this pride, and this covetousness, please forgive me, God, for listening to that unholy spirit of mammon, for listening to that unholy spirit of pride, and for listening to that unholy spirit of poverty. Lord, I ask that you would break them off of me right now. Break them off of my family. Break them off of my descendants. Break them off of everything I'm connected to. And help me, dear God, from this day forward to be a generous, extravagant giver to Your kingdom, to Your glory, to Your honor, Fill me with Your Spirit. Replace where those unholy spirits had access with Your Holy Spirit. Fill me as I resist the devil and he must flee. But fill me with Your Spirit, God, that I will go forth in righteousness, that I will walk out of here in holiness, and I will walk out of here with your anointing because of your Holy Spirit. For it is in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Did anybody just mean business? Did anybody just mean business? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Let me tell you why. You are blessed and highly favored. What are you going to say? Thank you. <laughs> Come on, love on one another, if you will. Praise God. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.